You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Frenzy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Chris Meany, Tony Ducato. Getting it done. Corey Parson out on assignment. Pete Consitori. Pete, how you feeling, man? I, I've been better. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, do you feel like do you feel like you're Michael Jordan today, holding the station up I, in a crunch time? I, I wouldn't put me at such a high regard, Tony. I just you know, just producer here, making sure the shows work. <laughs> I would. I would. Yeah, I think I that's would a too. fair comparison. Yeah, I think you're getting it done. So uh, great stuff it. from Thank Pete. You. Now, what kind of med- what do you medicate yourself with? Uh, I'm on I'm on all sorts of stuff. Antibiotic. Uh, Mucinex, Tylenol, orange juice—you know the works. <laughs> what about pra- what about prayer and meditation? Oh, that's that's a given, Tony. I mean, that's that's okay. that's a given for me. So I want you to go to old school there. So Pete Considori, uh getting it done. Uh, he will get better. Jets fans, I don't know about you, man. The New York Jets shot up. Uh, they shook up everything yesterday as they move up. In the draft, they make a trade with the Indianapolis Colts. They moved up three spots to number three while sending the number six pick and two second-round choices, number 37, number 49, in the second round in 2019 to the Colts. Now, this is why I have a problem with this trade. I, when you move up and you give up extra picks and you give up three extra picks to move up three spots, you have to have an idea on a player that you want on your team. You can't go in with the mindset saying, I'll take any of the three. That's not the way to go about it, and that's not the way you, you give up all these draft picks. And to me, they didn't go far enough because they didn't guarantee them any, any certain player. No, I yeah, I agree. And you know, we talked last hour about the Eagles moving up to two. It was one or the other, and I think honestly that they were happy. They probably had an idea that Goff was going to go one, and they were happy with Wentz. But you're in this situation now where you move up to three. And keep in mind what you gave up, right? I mean, the 37th pick, the 49th pick, a 2019 second round pick. I remember back in 2013. Now it's a little bit different with all these quarterbacks and teams needing one. The Dolphins moved from 12 to three, and they only gave up a 42nd overall pick. Like that, that was it, right? Like apart from their first, it was it was just one addition. So here you are now. The Jets at three. If you think Cleveland's going to take a quarterback at one, perhaps it's Josh Allen. If the Giants are going to take one at two, and maybe perhaps now the Bills feel like they have to move up to two. Maybe they move up to two. But maybe the Giants don't want to get out of that two spot. I'm sure the Jets said, hey, we want to go to that two spot. Giants are saying, no, we don't want to. So if you're the Jets, you're thinking, okay, there's two quarterbacks off the board now. So plan A may have been Kirk Cousins. Plan B may have been, you know, getting perhaps Allen. Now plan C is, okay, we'll take Darnold or Rosen. We'll take one of the two, whatever one is available. You give up a lot for what you just said, Tony. Can't be their ultimate choice of the guy that they want. Can't be just happy with one of the three. I mean, this is this is what we've seen from the Jets. Just some poor decisions over the past few years. It's I, I don't know who they're going to get a three. I think maybe Rosen, but the Bills are still in play. I still feel like they moved up last week. I still feel like they perhaps could move up as well. Well, the thing, I, 
Well, the thing is, the wild card in this whole thing is the Giants and what their attention is. Because yeah. if they're truly not going to pick a quarterback, they're going to get a lot of good offers from people trying to slide in to pick a quarterback. So they're going to have that opportunity. Now, I'm of the opinion that maybe only Cleveland thinks Josh Allen's the number one quarterback. I watch him play. I look at the numbers. He didn't play against any competition, right, in Wyoming. His completion percentage is in the mid-50s, which is not NFL caliber. And he's got big hands, and I don't know if they're basing it on that. But I, I don't know why this kid would be the number one pick in the draft. That's it. That's just, you know, it's silly to, to talk about and to say, but that's it. It's because of his big hands, and he can throw a gun. And I've said this before to people. He can throw the ball through the barn. You just don't know if he's going to hit that barn. You just talked about his completion percentage. It's not great. It's going to take some time. And... I think that they will take Allen at one. I thought Barkley up until the Carlos Hyde signing, you know, Hyde and, and you still got Duke Johnson still hanging around. Maybe if he's there at four, then they go ahead and they do that. But I think they take Allen, and that's why they bring in Tyrod Taylor. Like they're gonna, they're not gonna rush it. They know just Kaiser is not the same. But they, you have to take something away from that season and just putting Deshaun Kaiser in there from from day one, and and not getting it done and just looking awful and throwing picks and picks and picks. You don't have to start Allen week one. I know Tyrod is not the best quarterback to learn from and, and, and watch him play, but it's not a bad idea to just draft him and let him sit on the sidelines and just take it all in for a little bit. But you're right about the Giants. The Giants are the wild card here. What are they going to do? Because as we said last hour, at least I said, I think that this team still feels like their window is open, that they can compete with Eli Manning another year. And with Odell Beckham Jr. coming back and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, and maybe they maybe they just draft Barkley at two, and then all of a sudden they have a top-tier running back, which they have not had in years. So, I mean, you you, you take Solder away from, from the Patriots, uh, a left tackle, great, check. Defense is still intact. You get Ogletree a nice piece from the Rams. That's, that's solid as well. So they're the wild card. Maybe the Jets feel like, they're going to be able to get Rosen. Maybe that. Maybe Rosen is their guy, and they're going to be able to get him at three. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, that will be a little crazy if we can think uh, that could happen, if they can put that all together. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Frenzy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Who is better than us as we go and make sure that you've got everything you need in a life of fantasy? I'll tell you, it's pretty insane, though, when you think about it, right? What's going on with the Jets situation? And at least their fans are going to have something to look forward to on draft day. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm I'm just kind of, I'm happy with, you know, what they were able to do last year. And a lot of people thought that they wouldn't have gotten a win or two, you know, and they did well. Uh, and then they got some good quarterback play from a vet. And there was some, some nice positive signs. But then you just see things like, you're trading some pieces. You're moving up. You just need a quarterback. Let's be honest. I mean, all the guys that they've thrown in there, Hackenberg, all the ones that they thought, you know, have not been successful, and they've been throwing Rick Petty in there, and just guys have not been great. So, you move up, and you're going to get yourself a franchise quarterback, and you've seen some success now. It's not always going to work out like Goff and Wentz and Trubisky. You know, I think is going to take another step. I think he's fine. Chicago moved. They may have only moved up a spot, but they gave up a lot to move up that spot. 
they got their guy. So, you know, I, you just talked about aging quarterbacks, Tony. A lot of them. And a lot of them in the AFC. And that division is not great. So if you go ahead and you, you move up and you get yourself the guy that you want and you build, you get a cost-effective quarterback, you have a lot of money, you're able to, to pay for a guy like Jermaine Johnson, $26 million a season. When you see the Rams, I don't know if you saw this. I saw Schefter tweet this. The Jets paid um, $26 million a season for Jermaine Johnson, the cornerback from the Rams. The Rams are paying a keep to lead Marcus Peters, Sam Shields, LaMarcus Joyner on a franchise tag combined $25 million. <laughs> You're getting all those guys for less than Johnson. It's funny how that works out through free agency, but the Jets have the money to spend, um, and that could acquire some guys when you get a, a nice young quarterback for your franchise. Then I think the Jets made a big mistake, too, on Teddy Bridgewater. It's not bringing Teddy Bridgewater in. The one-year contract is going to be a hindrance, I think, if he plays well. So if Teddy plays well, right – Say he gets an opportunity, comes in the second, third game. They they play well. They win eight, nine games. Then all of a sudden, you drafted a quarterback in the first round. You have Teddy Bridgewater, who's now a free agent. And you're not going to be able to keep him unless you franchise tag him. And you get stuck in a situation where you're paying a guy one year, you know, $28, $30 million. And then you have a first-round quarterback sitting on your bench. Like, it, they're better off. It. They better hope he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because, um, yeah, I mean, if he balls out and he's fine. Uh, if they had yeah, a two-year contract, you could situation. trade him at least, right? Now yeah. they set up an opportunity where a quarterback might be able to play well and then walk away. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's my, it's, It certainly is mind-boggling. It really is. But I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big believer in Bridgewater. Obviously, Me either. Significant injury. We haven't seen this guy since since 2015. Now I, I don't I don't count. The, and he wasn't the good when he snap. played. That's the part no, I, that people don't remember. Like when you don't play for a while, people always just take the opinion that oh he they're getting Teddy Bridgewater back. Well, you know what? They're getting back 14 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. Yeah, he was not good, and and we wanted to see him take the next step in 2016, and then he has that injury, and now he hasn't played in in a couple of years. So yeah, he, I I. Th- I'm not. I'm not a big believer in him. So, but you're right to that point. Like, if you if you were to ball out and have a really good season and, and get this team gets seven or eight wins, yeah, like it's like, just uh, bad decision making on how the yeah. whole how the process is. I mean, in the NFL, you give the guy a two year deal, he can't walk away from you, but you can cut him and pay him off. You know, he only only got like six million, so you could pay him. You know, he could have made the second year of the contract. You know, five four million. It just gives you insurance that way you could deal them to someone else. Yeah, I know. I I, agree. I mean, I would have, I would have, as a Jets fan, I would have just liked them to see them roll with Josh McCowan again, continue to roll with McCowan, and and draft your quarterback. I mean, let's be but, honest. You're not going to throw that quarterback into the Jets right now. Like it's you're throwing them into the fire. I think you, you got to let these. Sometimes it's nice to just have these guys on the sidelines and let them, you know, groom that way. How do you feel about the addition of Isaiah Crowell? Yeah, I mean it's it's okay. Crowell was one of those guys that was overhyped as well um, last season. You know, talk about him being a top ten back and the offensive line at Cleveland was nice, but he, I mean, he wasn't successful. He he wasn't great. So I think it's it's an okay signing. It, you know, I want to see what else. Blaw Powell is still hanging around there, he, and there's another guy who was I thought was disappointing last season. He you know he had every opportunity to be a you know, 20-touch guy at times, and Forte was sidelined. But, 
You know, we had Elijah McGuire who was, you know, kind of stealing some touches from him. So I think it's going to be a crowded backfield. And Corell is not going to be one of the – he's not going to be somebody that I'm looking to draft. But you could probably get him as, you know, an RB3. And he will have upside to be, you know, an RB2 on some weeks for you, I think, Tony. This is a fantasy football frenzy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, we have Chris Meany in for Corey Parson. i got to ask you a question because you live in Canada. And recently we had a situation where we have a movie star who doesn't agree with some policies and the government of the United States threatening to move to Australia. And I am so sick of these people and I'm so insane of these people. Do you have any movie stars that uh, threaten to leave Canada when uh, things don't go well? Off the top of my head, no, I no. can't. Uh, I can't. I can't think of that. No, they want to. So stay. Matt Damon, stay. he says he has to escape Donald Trump and move to Australia. Matt Damon lives in a ten million dollar house in Hollywood. Yeah, what's he wrong in Matt es- Damon's life? Yeah, yeah. You know, I am so tired of these people. And now he has uh, told people that he, he's not going to move to Australia. Of course he's not going to move to Australia. He never would move to Australia. This guy is unbelievable. And he's a Boston guy. And I love all his movies. But I'm so yeah. tired of these people. Oh, Donald Trump, I've got to leave the country. What he's doing to, What's he doing to you? He's doing nothing to you. I mean, this is the craziest thing in the world. And I wish people would just stop going to these lunatics movies and supporting these lunatics. Yeah, I, this is this is the first I've heard of of Damon wanting to be out of the country. But my first initial thoughts is, you're you're doing all right, Matt. He's, he's, his uh, right. net worth is currently one hundred sixty million dollars. Yeah, you're you're doing just fine. You have you have the ten million dollar home like you just you just brought yeah. up, and you're still acting. I mean, let's be honest. You're you're moving all over the place. If you're going to Australia, what are you just going to give up on your career? You're just going to say, oh, "I'm only taking movies in in Australia now." I mean, you know, is 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 on set Australia? You know, you're you're all over the place here. I get people are frustrated with Trump, but I mean, he was voted in. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> he was like, I don't get it. I don't. Get, I understand. I, I you know what? I, well, you might I be see, able to relate to this. Nickelback is a Canadian band, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Well, everybody hates them, right? This, I'm glad you answered it that way. Everybody <laughs> hates Nickelback, yet they sell 50 million records. What, what do you mean everybody hates them? How do they sell 50 million records then? I tell people all the time, the 50 million people that bought Nickelback records must be the 50 million people that voted for Donald Trump because nobody says they voted for Trump. Nobody says they like Nickelback. <laughs> that's a good comparison. That's actually awesome because you're right. People around here in Canada, they they all hate Nickelback. They all do. Everyone complains about him. That's what I see with Trump. Like I can't speak too much of the Trump thing, but I see him tweet and I see all the complaints and all the rallies. And then I say to myself, well, how did this guy get voted in? Like I understand Clinton. Clinton pissed people off too, but I mean. I don't know. A lot of people didn't go and vote, but he, at the end of the day, he was voted. So half half of the people, at least, like him. But I'm seeing yeah. more complaints than likes, uh, led by Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, Nickelback has sold 50 million albums worldwide, according to the label. The band's last four releases have debuted in the top ten at Billboard 200, and nobody likes them. 
Nobody likes them. And uh, the population in Canada is 36 million. So some people <laughs> probably buying the album twice and not telling anybody about it. They're just, maybe they just, you know, the, the perception is Nickelback sucks and they don't want to say, like, oh, I like Nickelback. They feel like a loser if they say they like Nickelback. But, I mean, Nickelback's playing all the time on the radio too, Tony. I mean, they have yeah. flashbacks. I mean, it's, here. yeah, turn back the clock, 90s. Here, here's some Nickelback for you. So, Donald, when you win again, when you win again, get Nickelback at your campaign party. You guys have a lot in common. Have Nickelback play. Thank all the Nickelback. That would be a good, like, promotional commercial with Nickelback in the background, just, like, singing. A a Nickelback song, this is how you remind me or something. (laughs) Come back, we'll talk some fantasy football. And uh, less Nickelback. Stay tuned for more right here on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Frenzy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. He is Chris Meany. My name is Tony Scotta, and we are absolutely getting it done. I'll tell you right now, we are sitting here, we're talking a little football, and it's an amazing situation when you can talk football in the middle of, uh, you know, March, April, and have content that's continually involving. It's great. I mean, there's, there's been so many signings and guys moving around, good players getting cut. Like, I never thought I would see Jordy Nelson get cut. Never. Like, I just didn't see it. I, I understand how bad he was when, when Rodgers was, you know, sidelined. And maybe that's a big thing. Devontae Adams took another huge step forward. People didn't believe in Devontae Adams. I mean, you were proved wrong. Adams is a stud. But... I mean, Jordy was just cut from that team. It was a a little shocking to me. So you see good players get released. Uh, Teams are, you know, obviously trying to figure out the cap. Other guys are are taking pay cuts. Like Tavon Austin, instead of getting $14 a year, they decided to keep him around. He's got incentives to make about five. It's it's amazing, Tony. I think Austin made like a million point two a catch last year, Tavon Austin. Uh, You can go to rotoexperts.com and you can get a tribute from Scott Engel to – Fantasy baseball pioneer Steve Moyer, who passed away. Uh, a real quick question on that. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the people that write? When people die and they write on their Facebook page a message to them like they're still alive, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to see it. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, maybe they no. are. Maybe they are. Who knows? I don't know. Life after death, man. Yeah. Possibilities so- are endless. See, I think those people are fraudulent, actually. Like, I think they want people to see it. Like, not the dead person, but the everybody else. Other people? Yeah. Oh, he meant so much to that person. I feel bad for them. When you probably hadn't talked to him in like eight months and you just threw it on their Facebook page. Miss you, buddy. 
<laughs> I I have seen that before, actually. Um, you know, a guy I went to high school with, he got into a, a car accident, passed away. But um, that was it. You know, people are just writing on his Facebook, and you wonder why. <laughs> I don't know, people. Everybody can do what they like, but I'm questioning your your motive. I'm questioning your motive. Uh, I got a question one free agent move, too. Uh, the San Francisco 49 assigned a Minnesota Vikings running back, uh, Jarek McKinnon, to a contract. What's your impressions on McKinnon? Is this guy in every down back? Is this someone San Francisco could pick on? Kyle Shanahan said he, said he couldn't stop watching the tape on this guy. Well, here's the thing. Jarek McKinnon was not a football player until college. He's a great athlete, though. He's one of those guys that uh, when you went to the combine, people's mouths dropped. But it doesn't translate so far to success on the football field. Yeah, I know. It's a a good situation. People are going to probably think, you know, too much over the top. Like, I know, you know, Pat texted me yesterday in the legal leagues, like, you know, get Jarek McKinnon. You know, it was a standard league. It's like, uh, he's going to be on my radar, but I'm not going to reach for Jarek McKinnon because... You got Jimmy Garoppolo. Some people actually think he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback. I saw, you know, rankings from ESPN where he was a top five quarterback before the end of last season. They already put him in. Next year's top five quarterbacks. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Boom. In there. Okay, come on. He, he had weak competition towards the end of the people season. People don't realize. USA has weak competition, and, and I'm not disputing that. He had seven touchdown passes, five interceptions. Yeah. That's not great. <laughs> That's not great at all. No. It's like, come on. Come on. Like, I understand it's Kyle Shanahan. That's the thing. Like, Kyle Shanahan, people are going to get super excited in what he did. They see what he what he ha- had accomplished in Atlanta, one of the best offenses of all time. But let's be honest. They had a guy like Julio Jones there and Matt Ryan. They had two running backs who could play, and they had other pieces in that offense. So there's a lot of, of, of greatness inside that offense. San Fran's still a little bit away. Like, I like Marquise Goodwin, and I like what I saw from him last year. Um, but... Like I'm, I don't think I'm going to be drafting him in the top five rounds. Pierre Garçon is he? Are they going to bring him back? He excites me a little bit more actually because he's somebody I can get later on in drafts that I think is a good wide receiver, and I think him and yeah. Jimmy could be fine. But Jarek McKinnon is. I don't think he's going to be a guy, Tony, that you know ever can consistently carry the ball 18 to 20 times a game. He he didn't do it at all last year when with Minnesota it was a split backfield between him and Murray, but his. His, um, I guess, his skill set to me is he's very explosive. He can catch, and he's great after the catch. And that was the quote that I saw from Shanahan is just, you know, watching the tape on this guy, I fell in love with him, just knowing what I can do. That's all about scheming. And he's going to be a big part of, you know, third downs. I think that he's still going to split a backfield. Maybe they draft someone. Maybe Joe Williams comes in. Matt Breida was showing signs. I don't think McKinnon is a guy that – can cut can touch the ball twenty five times a game. I just don't see it. In between the tackles, I don't see it. And if you look at his game log last year, it was one game he had over two games he had over fifty yards, and one of the games was a fifty eight yard run. So he's very explosive, but I don't think he's a between the tackles guy. Yeah, not in love with Jarek McKinnon. You're listening PPR to leagues, I think. I, I, in PPR leagues, I think. Yeah, but we're not going to get the consistency from the guy. I think he's going to be up and down. I just don't think – 
one thing, too, is that with the young quarterbacks, do they throw the ball to the guy out of the backfield? We didn't see Jimmy Garoppolo put up big numbers with a running back last year when he was in there. It is a small sample size, and we and he'll have a training camp to prepare this year. Uh, but that will be a little bit interesting to see how it plays out there because people take it for granted. And that's one of the things that is a little tougher for quarterbacks because it ends up being a touch pass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, they, he, looking at the game log, and I remember games of last year, and even if you go back to Jerick McKinnon a couple of years before, I mean, he caught 50 balls. The guy can catch. Uh, and uh, against the Eagles in the postseason, he had 11 catches. Now, that it was part of game script. It was out of hand. But there's another game where he had seven catches for 114, another one where he had six on 10 targets for 72, six on six targets, caught, uh, had 51 yards. So he can catch. He's explosive. Uh, but I just... I think I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another back or they draft another guy. I, I really do. It's a, it's a nice one. It's a nice piece. It's a good start. But as I said earlier, you got to have three or four backs, man. Patriots have done it for years. The Eagles did it last year. Had four backs they rotated through. None of them had a thousand yards. You got to have these multiple backs. You need them, and it's not great for fantasy, but it's a good real life situation. Uh, I like real life. I think everybody should go by the real life situations. <laughs> it's, it's the way to go. When you're in fantasy sports, when you're in uh, life in general, just base it all on real life situations. It's not an easy thing. Are you all over Maryland, Baltimore County today? I mean, I'm, what's that? I can hear Are you all something o- coming through. Oh, oh, Maryland, Baltimore County. Are you all over them today? Oh, man. Wouldn't I like to see them go on a big run? I mean, that was cool. Uh, We were talking about (laughs) that with Mike. Remember we were talking about that? Like, little 16. And we both said yes. Remember? We both said yes. Like, it will happen. I mean, guys are are becoming competitive. Uh, It's more competitive athlete. The athletes are getting better. And, you know, you watch these games any given day. Like, teams can win that was still very shocking but i would like them to i i would love now that my brackets busted because <laughs> i had virginia in the final four but i would i would love to see them to go on a run and certainly they could be kansas they can be kansas state and then and then here you go you got kentucky so i mean who knows man not only did they beat virginia they whooped them they crushed them beat them by 20. i actually uh said on yesterday's show that i would like the ncaa to uh put all the teams into the tournament and it would take a couple more weeks to get rid of the conference tournaments because I mean the conference tournaments are insane to me you play over 30 games right in your conference in your leagues why don't we have the winners come from the leagues in over 30 games as opposed to um, doing it over you know one weekend and whoever gets hot gets in and go every team. And the only thing that I'm willing to do, I'm willing to make it if we if we want. You have to have a 500 record. Either that or every okay. team gets in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see some more teams. We get obviously you'd see more Cinderella teams. You know, you'd see. Not that this tournament isn't exciting, anyways. I mean, you watch some of the games; they've been phenomenal. I mean, the Michigan Michigan one last night was. Michigan Houston was was great. It was certainly very entertaining, but you get some of these other teams. You see more of the talent, I suppose, and you bring up a good point. I mean, why not have the cha- you win the regular season? You win the championship, right? It's like yeah, EPL it's it's so way you, you know. We always talk about sample size when we're trying to uh, predict what happens in the future. 
and anyone can get hot for a weekend and, and put it together. So why not go by the entire season? Yeah. I mean, I I love this tournament myself. I know people want to make it shorter. You know, I, I don't think. I think it's... I think it's a good set. A good yeah, tournament. why would you want that? I mean, what would be better than watching the 16 team beat a one? Or, uh, you know you know what I'm saying? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to make it shorter. And Loyola, Chicago, I mean, they've won two games now. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. to beat Miami, which was the upset most people were on. I know you and myself had that. So they squeak by and they get through that game. And then they squeak by and they beat Tennessee, who, you know, a lot of experts had you know, beating Cincinnati and playing Virginia in that Elite Eight. But I, I, that's that's to me why this tournament is so good, is that you see some of these Cinderella teams, some of these teams you haven't been able to see. Like, let's be honest, people it could be a big college basketball fan, but you can't tell me you've seen a lot of UMBC basketball games this year, and you had to be pretty impressed with Virginia. If you were to pick an upset, though, a 16 seed or a 1 seed Tony to go down, wouldn't you think it would be the team that just is just known for their defense and that's it? Like, Virginia can't score. And they lost. And they, they had an injury coming in. So, I mean, there was a lot that went into it. Yeah, it was absolutely ripe. But you know what's crazy is that when you looked at all the people that had brackets, over 50%, you know, had them winning uh, there. I'll give people an upset. If you're listening on demand, um, this is not going to help you out. But uh, you can t- check and see if I'm right. I'll give you an upset today, an upset today, if, if one's going to happen. Nevada is a nine-point underdog to Cincinnati, and uh, they're seven versus two. Nevada's front five can play with a lot of teams. They don't have any bench, and this is the second game in tournament, second game in two days. But I think Nevada is a team that could upset someone today. Yeah, I mean, I watched that game against Texas, and I thought they played really good. They had a couple guys, um, you know, who were just really explosive and great defensively and not afraid to take shots. And sometimes you see these, there's your kids at the end of the day and they're really hesitant. Uh, Nevada showed no signs of that. And if, I mean, if we're going by what's happened in the South, with Arizona losing their first game, Virginia losing their first game and Tennessee losing yesterday, it would follow suit that Cincinnati would get bounced next. I don't mind that in the spread. At this point, those high spreads, I always go against them. And, you know, you and I talk in, in Canada with the ties. I mean, I've been rolling in the tie tickets. I mean, within five points, <laughs> it's 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 almost every game, Tony. These these games go right down to the wire. Even had a scare in Kansas, number one seed yesterday, beating Seton Hall by four points. Michigan State. Oh, everyone had people... Michigan State going. A lot of teams had them. They barely got by Bucknell in the first. And now they got Syracuse today, who's, I think, an underrated, underrated basketball team. They're underrated, but I they play like that game. The total is one twenty eight, and I actually like the under in that game because it's two very good defensive teams. And you're right; if you're going to predict an upset, it's usually in those defensive matchups because uh, the scores are lower. So you have a, you have the least amount of possessions, you have the least amount of things. You slow it down, and you hope that you can steal the game in the end. Yeah, for sure. And another team that I that I like and and I liked them over Wichita State was Marshall. Marshall had the, you know, they were 12-point underdogs. Uh, I had them on the money line only because Wichita State I didn't think was great defensively. I feel the same way about West Virginia. And some of these 13 seeds, they get in there and they just start feeling good about themselves when they win that one game. So there's another um, upset to take a look at is just to see how far Marshall can go. To me, Villanova was is the best team. And uh, I mean, I was, uh, I've been watching, so since I watched the games, 
I think the two best teams in basketball right now, from based on what I've seen, is um, Duke and Villanova. Uh, I, I still don't get how I see these uh, mock drafts and Begley Jr. is the fourth and fifth pick in the drafts. I don't see a better player in college basketball than him. And um, this Duke team is, is good. Yeah, they're very good. And, you know, Wendell Carter on that team as well. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., obviously Grayson Allen is, is yeah. just experience has been there for a long time. So I agree. And, and what I saw from Michigan State in that first game against Bucknell, I know it was only one game. Um, and, you know, Jaron Jack, Jackson and Jr. Is, is solid as well. But Duke is – I've changed my tune. Like I had Michigan State, I had a Duke. I don't know, it's just a couple games. But watching Duke, I agree with you. Very talented across the board. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat. But Nova – Nova's never had like this offense. I find that they've always been good, but they never had, you know, Mikael Bridges is, is phenomenal. And they just have some offensive pieces this year, you know, compared to years before when they won the tournament a couple years ago. I didn't think that their offense was nearly this good. So I think that they're going to, I think they have the easiest path here, you know, right to the finals. That's kind of why I picked them. They had an easy path. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Bears. The Bears go out. They try to get some weapons for the quarterback, Mitchell Trubinsky. Have they been successful? Do they have an offensive dynamo now in the making in Chicago as they bring a new coach in? They bring in new receivers. They bring in a new tight end. What's going on in the backfield? Are the Chicago Bears something that we could realistically look at fantasy options on the Bears? Do all of a sudden the Bears have a wide receiver number one? Do the Bears have a running back one? Do the Bears have a tight end one? All of a sudden, you're looking around saying, Tony, the Bears stink. What are you talking about? Well, they stink. And I don't know about the quarterback, but I think all three are legitimate questions. The Bears might have a number one at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And when we come back, we'll break that down on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. So stay tuned right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 24 hours a day, seven days a week of fantasy sports information, sports information, gambling information, love information, and Pete Considori health updates. Stay tuned for more on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Frenzy with Chris Meany, Tony Cicada. I got to tell you, Chris, I, I went before break and I said the Bears might have a wide receiver one, they might have a running back one, and they might have a tight end one. The Bears all of a sudden now are going to be an offensive juggernaut? 
You know what? I I love what they've done. And if you're looking for a quarterback to to take that next step and and be that last year's Jared Goff, I mean this this could be it. I mean this could be the guy. Trubisky had, and you know what? A lot of people are hard on Trubisky. I mean, I saw the tweets. I watched I watched every Trubisky game. In fact, I watched one live uh, against Green Bay, um, Soldier Field. Listen. Trubisky didn't have any weapons. He had none. Tony, there were games, and I know you know them. There were games where there was no catches from a wide receiver. None. There was two games where there were a wide receiver did not catch a ball in Chicago. It was tight end. And Sims was, was sprinkling in and she in. And it was Howard and Cohen out of the backfield. Now you bring in Allen Robinson, who has a ton of game, who has a 14-touchdown season already under his belt. And, yes, he's coming off a significant injury, but he's still young, 24 years old, 6'3", can go up and get it. Taylor Gabriel, who is a speed demon, who you can just have some nice, easy completions for Mitchell Trubisky. You can have some end-arounds. You can do whatever you want with Gabriel. Now, we're not gonna, I'm not going to get my hopes on a Kevin White that he can stay on the football field. But Cam Meredith, who's coming off another significant injury, I think he's very talented. He was fine when he played two years ago. I think he, he can come back and contribute for this team. Jordan Howard is great. The offensive line is fine. Terry Cohen is a nice little change of pace guy. And I actually think Trey Burton is a good tight end. And with Trey Burton was just buried in Philadelphia. And then a couple games that he played when Zach Hurts was sidelined, he caught touchdowns. It was it was. Good quarterback and good offense, but Trey Burton, and I think a lot of the teams in the league, Tony, think that Trey Burton is good because he just got paid and he hardly played. He didn't get paid because he threw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl to Nick Foles. He got paid because he's a good tight end and he can catch balls. He's a big body. He's a red zone red zone threat, 6'3", 235. There's a lot of nice pieces in Chicago. The defense is still suspect, but there's a nice – they did a good job. The real winner to me in the offseason is Mitchell Trubisky. I think. See, I'm not. I'm not big on Mitchell Trubisky. I wasn't big on him being drafted where he was drafted and everything, because he he only played 13 college games. I'm like, man, this is gonna be. He played at the University of North Carolina. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, but the weapons are undeniable. You have Robinson in, even if Trubisky's not one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. We're talking about a guy that's gonna get upwards of you know 100 targets, and it, it, you know we're talking about. A guy that each week, 16 weeks, uh, you're probably looking at 12, 13 targets there. Trey Burton, to me, is one of those tight ends that is not really a tight end in today's standards. He's a wide receiver that lines up at tight ends. He's a complete mismatch for defenders that can't, that won't be able to cover him. And Philadelphia didn't lose anything. And they might have gained when Zach Ertz wasn't in the field. And people will never say that, but it looked like every game he put up, he was the top tight end that week. He was, and I know you and I talked about this a lot on, on Fantasy Sports Radio Network and on the television side throughout the season was when Zach Ertz wasn't around, Trey Burton was that guy that you plug in on DK or FanDuel, wherever you wanted yeah. at bare minimum, where you picked him up in, in seasonal formats. I know there was a game where Zach Ertz didn't play against the Broncos, and Trey Burton caught two touchdown passes. I mean, he is, I agree 100%, he's, he's not your typical tight end. He's like very Evan Ingram-like. And if you watch Evan Ingram last year, he's not your typical tight end either. He's like a big wide receiver who can box people out, who's great after the catch and got good hands. So I think with Trubisky, I, I'm not sold that he is, is a top talented, you know, top 10 quarterback in real life. And it's going to take some time for him. But this is a good start for him to get some weapons. Uh, yeah, like, again, he had really – what, Kendall Wright? Let's be honest here. They had nothing in Chicago. Nothing. 
They lost Meredith before the season started. They lost Kevin White early. They had Marcus Wheaton. He'd hardly played. They had absolutely nothing for Mitchell Trubisky. Nothing. It was just dump-offs and dump-offs. So I think let's not judge him on just that season. Let's see what he can do with some of these guys. If Allen Robinson can stay healthy, two running backs who can play, as I mentioned. And you know what? For a fantasy standpoint, he's not going to cost you much. And two quarterback leagues is probably where I start thinking about him. He can run around too, Tony. Three for 23, four for 32, three for 53, six for 53, seven for 44. He had two rushing touchdowns in the last three, four games of the season. He can he can move around. He's a big guy who he doesn't just stay in the pocket. He's 6'3". He can move around and give you a little bit of rushing ability too. I think it's, it, it, again, I think he's the big winner. Let's see what he can do with well, his weapons. Well, what's your thoughts on the running back situation? You have Jordan Howard. Um, you have a new coach coming in. Uh, here, Howard was a guy that could absolutely play last year. Do you feel like that um, they'll pick up where they left off with Jordan Howard? Now they have made more weapons on offense. One thing you can think of is, do all of a sudden they have now uh, more opportunities to get in the end zone? And where would you be thinking of taking a guy like Jordan Howard? Yeah, I think um, you know that's a good point. You know, more weapons, the offense should be a little bit smoother, so more opportunities for Jordan Howard. I mean, Matt Nagy did a good job in Kansas City when he took over. We're all wondering about Kareem Hunt, like what's what's going on with Kareem Hunt? And then Nagy takes over the play calling, and all of a sudden Hunt is good again. So I, I think, and he's going to want to pass. And I think Allen Robinson was very vocal. He said he loved what Nagy did when he took over, and that was a big part of of why. But we show that he could continue to get hunt the ball and get on back on track. If you look at some games for Howard, and this is my, my one reason with Howard is my issue with them last year was, was what you just said, the offense and could they score? And there was times where, you know, he went up against Philadelphia and he had seven carries for six yards. They were out of that ball game. They had no chance to get into that game and they had no chance. All they had to do was throw the ball. They, the game script just didn't allow for a ton of carries for Jordan Howard, and that happened multiple times. Another game against Minnesota when they were just down and out, he had nine carries. So nine carries for nine yards. So you look at Howard, people are going to be down on him, but this offense is better. I think he's a, I think he's a borderline RB1, but when we set off the top of the show all those running backs that we mentioned, you know, we, we, we threw off like eight of them. Yeah. Those eight I'd rather have. So he's second-round pick, a solid RB2. I would be happy if I left a draft with Howard as my RB2. You know, that's the stigma, I think, sometimes when you have these teams like the Bears. That I would automatically be thinking, like, I agree with you. From everything on paper and everything we've seen, he's a, it's easy that he's the second-round pick, right? And he should be happy. But I'd be, like, scared to death saying, oh, it's the Bears. Something's going to happen. All of a sudden, Tariq Cohen's going to start playing. Uh, what the hell is going to go on here? But you're right. And I think you could actually... Um, go ahead and make the argument that you could take him at the end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, certainly it, de- it depends on how your your draft's going to go, but let's, I mean, let's look at the backs here. So, uh, again, you know, Barkley, wherever he goes, but you got Gurley, Bell, Hunt. I mean, I would take Gordon over him. Gordon was, depending on your format, I mean, even Gordon caught balls. He was RB5 in standard leagues. You got people are going to be in on Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara as, as guys again. Uh, a bounce back from Zeke. We already talked about Johnson. So that so the, Johnson on a bad team in a standard league. I'm starting to think maybe I, Howard could be in that conversation. I mean, Johnson can catch some balls, 
But, I mean, Freeman, I think I would take Freeman over Howard. Howard, I think, is going to be a solid RB2. I lead my draft. If I'm picking the first five picks, and if, if I'm lucky enough to get Howard and uh, when it comes back to me, I would be ecstatic over it. I would love it. There you have it. Jordan Howard there. And what's your expectations of Terry Cohen this year? Like, this is the crazy part. Like, we do a lot of shows on this channel. So we get down deep, but it seems like people love the talent of Terry Cohen. And the one thing that I think is a lot of people overestimate sometimes how much talent comes into play. I mean, he has a capable running back playing the same backfield as him. It wasn't a great offense. I think the expectations got out of whack for Tariq Cohen. Yeah, it was, you're right about that. I mean, it's because of, you know, right off the get-go, I think it was the first game of the season, you know, he led the Bears in catches and receiving yards in a receiving touchdown, and he did some damage on the ground. I think, you know, part of what he did, you know, the 50-plus catches that he had last year was, was partly because, as I said earlier, the Bears had absolutely nothing else offensively, no wide receivers who can catch. So I think he's like nothing more than a PPR guy, um, somebody that you, you know, depending on your size of your formats, if you have a couple flex spots, one, he's a fill-in. Uh, if anything does happen to Howard, we know that he can play. You know, he's had double-digit games or he has had games with double-digit carries and has been successful. But I think he's more of a change-of-pace guy, a third-down guy uh, who will just catch a few balls. His value really just lies in PPR. But he's another guy who can play. I mean, he's very talented, as you said. He can catch. He's explosive after the catch. That's had some big-time games as a rookie. Um, but he's nothing more than a change-of-pace guy, I don't think. There you have it. The Chicago Bears from fantasy perspectives there. Um, a very, very interesting move on a team that's been very quiet in free agency. Um, the Patriots go out and say, hey, Deion Lewis, gone. Everybody's sad. He's now a Tennessee Titan. And now they go out and they say, hey, we got Rex Burkhead. We got Mike Gillisley, but let's bring in Jeremy Hill. Is this going to be like the Patriots picking up Corey Dillon back in the day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I talked with Scott about this on Friday just a little bit, about how the Patriots um, you know, had scheduled a visit with Jeremy Hill, and he kind of seemed to downplay it like Jeremy Hill sucks. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, and sure, his yards per carry numbers do suck. I mean, 3.1 last year, 3.8, 3.6. But you can't ignore the fact that this guy had 29 rushing touchdowns in his first three games. 29 rushing touchdowns in his or first three seasons. I mean, that's 45 games, 29 rushing touchdowns. It's, it's enough to piss you off and avoid everybody else in that backfield because when you think that they get rid of Lewis and they bring back Rex Burkhead and Burkhead took that step forward and he's the goal line guy, he was the goal line guy. He was getting, well, like Lewis was getting some, but he was getting those rushing touchdowns. Now I wonder, are they just going to go to Jeremy Hill from the one or the two? Because he's proven well, the, that he the can The funny get part there. about the whole thing is that Hill and Burkhead played in the same backfield for many years. Yes. Hill was the guy that played. And Hill's a guy that can catch the ball, too, and run the ball, and get the goal line backs. So, I guess, you know, it's the New England Patriots, and it's always confusing, and it'll continue to be confusing. But I really think that Jeremy Hill is a name that you're going to have to contemplate on draft day. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, Gillisley, they can't like Gillisley. 
because no, he's he gonna, was, I think he's there till they see what they got. Till they see what they got, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was cut because, you know, he started off – well, he, he hardly played throughout camp because of injury, but he had the first big week where he had the three touchdowns on pace for 48 and everyone was freaking out. And then he hardly did <laughs> yeah. anything else after that. He was yeah. inactive, I think, for like a good four or five games in a row. Lewis took over. Burkhead took over. I really like Burkhead, actually. I think he's a very talented back. That was the guy I drafted in a lot of spots last year. Unfortunately, I cut my ties with him before he you know, started to gain steam towards midway through the season. But it's, it's going to be all of them. I mean, you're going to have White still sprinkled in. You're going to have Burkhead. You're going to have Hills. It's, it's going to be another confusing situation, but... I have no problem leaving my draft with the last pick of, of all drafts and having Hill as like a depth guy in case they cut Gillisley, in case Burkhead suffers another knee injury. I mean, they could make it work with Jeremy Hill. I mean, you can try to tell me that Belichick can't make it work with Jeremy Hill. No, this he is the have perfect. 10 touchdowns. Would you be shocked if he had 10 touchdowns? No. No, this is the perfect uh, uh, Bill Belichick rescue story uh, that all of a sudden now this guy becomes the, uh, <laughs> after week one, everybody, this is the guy we'll be talking about. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, touchdowns are touchdowns. Like between the and you go look at his first three seasons. I, last year was a wash. I think you know he was hurt and he hardly played. There was mixing and geo there. But again, I go back to his first three seasons, and he you know it was funny. Two hundred twenty-two attempts, two hundred twenty-three attempts, two hundred twenty-two attempts. It's a pretty you know safe sample size across the board. The yards per carry numbers were not great after his rookie year, but again, nine touchdowns year one, eleven touchdowns year two, nine touchdowns year three. He can get in, and it, that was my first initial thought, is that, hey, maybe he's going to steal those red zone touches from Burkhead, and Burkhead's, um, you know, it's Belichick. It's, it's going to be a guessing game at the end of the day, but it'll be a factor. Real, real quick before we close up, how much does Deion Lewis hurt Derrick Henry? Yeah, I think it hurts him a lot. Henry was one of those guys I was, I was in on as just a nice breakthrough, could potentially be an RB1, I thought. Uh, I got in a little shouting match with Jake once that he, you know, I said that he could catch, you know, Jake, he can't catch, he can't catch. And like, he can catch. It's just a matter if they want him to be the guy who can, will catch the ball. Right. And, you know, they go ahead and they get Lewis and that's going to cut into him. It's going to cut into it. Maybe, maybe Henry's the goal line guy. Maybe he's the guy who gets more carries, but Lewis is, he's a good back, man. I agree. I think it moves him down a half around. Um, a half a round. I think he would have went in the end of the first round, early second round. I think you got to move him down to middle of the second round, late second round. But do you are you in on Lewis to draft Lewis? Because like I like uh, Lewis, I think he's oh like, yeah. yeah, I think he's definitely draftable, but not till around around eight. And he's one of those guys that you'll pick and he'll have a significant upside if everything went correct. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a guy that you know. It's a good eighth round. An eighth round, ninth round guy, that's a good guy to draft knowing that, hey, if anything happens, you have yourself an RB1 because we know that what he can do. I mean, his last few games on the ground and in the air was phenomenal. Today's show was brought to you by the Nickelback, Donald Trump lovers. It was the special <laughs> Pete Consadori, you are a hero edition. Chris, it's back talking to you again, man. It was good stuff as usual. Yeah, man, I love it. I love to be, to be back talking some sports with you, and this won't be the last time. I'm sure we'll we'll get in there and talk some more, buddy. Have a great Sunday. There you go.
You guys, stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. A lot of activity going on in the fantasy baseball world. Uh, you got all the Tout Wars situations there, so make sure you stay tuned. Uh, coming up next, Tout Wars right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.